Johnson. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to John chapter number 3. <clears throat> Finish the life of Elisha. And I don't know uh, what the Lord may have us doing on Sunday nights. Maybe for a little while just preaching different places throughout the Bible. But I've had these verses on my heart for just a, a few days, I guess, now. And been pondering upon these verses and very, very familiar verses. But I want to preach out of John chapter 3. If you found your place, I'll ask you to stand with us and we'll reverence the Word of God as we, as we look to the Scriptures together this evening. John chapter number 3. I want to begin reading in verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to preach tonight on the world's greatest love story. Father, we bow in your presence tonight. We thank you, Lord, for these verses. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for giving your Son for us. Thank you, Lord, for the redemption that we have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we look at these verses tonight, Lord, that as the people of God, we might be made to rejoice in the salvation of our God. And Lord, if they'd be one tonight lost, I pray, God, that they'd see you like they never have before. And I pray you'd reveal Jesus to their heart. Pray the Spirit of God have such liberty to work and convict. And Lord, I pray that there would be the salvation of the lost. Lord, I pray that you might be magnified in all that we say and do. Lord, help us to guard our thoughts. Help me to guard my lips. And may I say only that which would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach to you a little while this evening uh, about the world's greatest love story. I want to tell you how a poor man can have a chance, how a sick man can be made well, how an ignorant man can become wise and a lost man can become saved. I want to tell you that a bad man can be made good, that a good man can be made better, and how that a dead man can be made alive in Jesus Christ. I'm using for our text this evening these verses that come to us from our Lord's Gospel by the hand of the Apostle John here in this third chapter. Very familiar uh, few verses of Scripture. With our focus being on verse number 16. When we come to these verses, we understand that uh, Moses is a type, and the lifting up of the serpent is an illustration. It is a metaphor of the Lord Jesus. And when those fiery serpents came through the camp biting the Israelites, the Lord instructed Moses to put a brazen serpent upon a rod and to raise it up and to tell the people that if they would look, they would live. And uh, that is uh, uh, the account of the Old Testament. This here in our text is the reaccount of that account that took place and Again, there is a connection being made with faith and, and the uh, idea of looking. That if one would only merely look 
under that brazen serpent, they would be healed. That by looking, they were believing. That by looking, they had faith. And it is the same in our day and age. That when Jesus Christ is lifted up in the preaching of the Word of God, when He is exalted, when the Gospel is declared, if there is a sinner present and God is dealing with their heart, there is not some act, there is not some steps, there is not some things that they must do, but merely look unto Christ and by faith trust Him and you can be saved by the grace of God. And that is what we find in verse 16 as it is clarified for us. Verse 15, He says, Whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then again, verse 16, the great declaration, the great love story of the Word of God. You find these words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the world's greatest love story. Most of the news that we hear today is bad news. And so I've come this evening with some good news. I've come with some news that will brighten those that are downcast and that find themselves in a difficult place. Uh, ain't it good to hear good news uh, in bad times? I uh, uh, say uh, uh, we're living in a day where it seems like everything you hear on the television is bad news. Uh, but I'm glad that uh, there is some good news. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, there's no other passage in all the Bible that says so much to so many in so few words. Aren't you thankful for the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, well, here you have a volume and a verse. Uh, you have an ocean in a dewdrop, And you have a continent uh, in, uh, in a cup. Uh, here you have the world's greatest love story. It's heaven's song of salvation. Uh, somebody said it's too fair to touch. It's too good to be true. And it's too far away to be real. The cynics are asking, is it so? And if it's so, so what? But I say it is so. And you ought to say it is so. And the psalmist said in Psalm 107 verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Thank God this phenomena is beyond the realm of human comprehension. I believe as Frederick Lehman said it best in his familiar hymn, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell. Thank God for God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. One man said the love of God is broader than the measure of a man's mind and it's greater than the universe stretched from end to end. God love, God's love is real. It had no beginning and it will have no end. It cannot change. I say it cannot change because God cannot change. God cannot change for the better. God cannot change for the worse. He cannot change for the better because He's the very embodiment of excellence. And He cannot change for the worse because there's nothing in His power or in His will to hurt Himself. Our God does not change. And because He doesn't change, His love doesn't change. What a blessed truth. We join in with the writer of Hebrews in saying, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And therefore His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you thankful for that? Now God does not love us because we're lovely. God does not love us because we're lovable. Uh, God's love does not exist on the account of our character. But His love exists on account of His unchanging character. And I might say, we are valuable simply because God loves us. See, God does not love us because uh, we have any value, but we are valuable because God loves us. God does not love us because Jesus died for us. But Jesus died for us because God loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God His love is stronger than sin. It's deeper than sorrow. And it's mightier than death. It can overcome where man's will falls short. Man's might is impotent. Uh, God has the power to save. Now there's just so much in this text tonight that an honest theologian scarcely knows how to approach it. There's so much in these few verse of words and in these three verses that you could uh, plunge the depths uh, and never get to the bottom. Uh, we have a great look here in this text. We have a great gift uh, in this text. We have a great invitation in this text. And we have a great evasion in this text. I said this is the world's greatest love story. It is the anthem of redemption. You see, we start off saying it and you wind up singing it, don't you? For God so loved the world, and then you sing it, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh friend, this is the greatest song in the world. It is the anthem of redemption. This music gets written in the key of B. Be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. Let me say that in the music there are four movements. Movement number one gives us the cause of salvation. Aren't you thankful for the cause? Say, preacher, what's the cause of salvation? Well, if you really want to know the cause of salvation, it's this, for God so loved the world. Movement number two gives us the cost of salvation. Say, preacher, what is the cost of salvation? This is the cause. God's only begotten Son Meaning that salvation, though it may be free, it is not cheap. It doesn't cost the sinner anything, but it cost God His only begotten Son. Movement number three gives us the condition of salvation. So you believe in conditional salvation? Yes, I do. I believe no man, woman, boy, or girl will ever be saved apart from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth in Him. That is the condition of salvation. You'll not be justified by faith except you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. Movement number four, it gives us the consequences of salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here you've got a double problem. 
which it's really a, a double solution. Uh, one, you should not perish. Two, you're going to have everlasting life. One, you're not going to hell. Two, you're going to heaven. One, you're not going to die in your sin. But two, you're going to die in the righteousness of Christ. One, you're not going to be separated from God. Two, you're going to be with Him forever. One, you're not going to a place reserved for the devil and his angels. But you're going to a place that's being built even now by Jesus Christ for them that love Him. Him and look for His appearing. Thank God for the song of salvation. Now, Since I don't really know how to approach this text, I'm just going to talk about two nouns and two verbs tonight and I'm going to quit. And as Vincent would tell us, that's a sneaky way of putting together a four-point outline. See, there's two nouns here. Do you see them? God and the world. And there's two verbs here. Loved and gave. I like that, don't you? <laughs> I'm glad I'm one of those nouns. <laughs> and I'm glad I experienced both of those verbs. And it's all because of the superior noun in the text. We have God who so loved the world that He gave. Notice first of all with me, God. Now there's a lot of weird concepts about God. Can we all agree about that? The world has a lot of weird concepts concerning who God is and, and how He interacts. Uh, some have said that God is like a lone ranger. There's the lone ranger concept. They think God is standing around ready to hop into our lives whenever we finally get to a place that we need Him. And uh, then there's some who have a granddaddy concept of God. He's the old man upstairs and... You know, there's something wrong with his legs. That's why he's not able to get up and come down and check on things. And we just better do as good as we can so that hopefully he'll just stay up there and we'll stay down here. And then there's the philosophical concept of God. They say that God's a man, or that God is man's ultimate problem. And uh, man is going to have to solve his problem. We're going to have to figure out how to deal with God and what to do with Him. That's the philosophical concept of God. And we could go on and on, but there are those who look to God as their crutch. There are those who look to God as being far away and uninvolved. And there are those who look at God and true religion as the problem. Uh, there have been days that have come and gone, and they have come and gone uh, throughout history over and over again. Days of ecumenicism, days of persecution, days of higher criticism, days of defiance. Uh, there have been those wannabe theologians who have emerged from the black abyss of, uh, of hell itself and announced that God is dead. And there have been those ridiculous theologians uh, who have walked around in, uh, well, with their nose in the air declaring, that there is no God and I say I say I'm not surprised because the Bible has informed us that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God and all they're doing is proving God to be true and never man a liar and they are the fools of this day just as they always have been when we hear such absurd statements you know what it does it makes me want to ask some stupid questions when I hear stupid questions, sometimes I want to ask stupid. You ever feel like that? Don't, don't, don't agree with them. Don't raise your hand and give me an illustration. Some of you might feel like that more often than others. But I do. I want to ask stupid questions. Like, if, if God's not alive or there is no God, then who assassinated Him? What coroner performed the autopsy on Him? Was it Paul that signed the death certificate? 
or uh, who was so well acquainted with this God that they were able to identify the body, who read the obituary at the funeral. And why wasn't I notified? I'm a member of the family, Brother Larry. They didn't call me and let me know. But those are just stupid questions, aren't they? Because God's not dead. God is alive. He's the living God. And He'll always be alive. You see, this love story didn't begin with man. It began with God. It didn't start with me. It started with Him. It won't start with you, but it started with God Almighty who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I'm thankful for that. God does not die by assassination. He does not die by proclamation. He does not die by denial. He just does not die. And you can't impeach Him and He ain't going to resign. He is God from everlasting to everlasting. If you will believe upon Jesus, He'll be as real to you as He was to Abram whenever He called Him out of the earth of the Chaldees. If you will trust in God, He will be as true to you as He was Adam and Eve when He walked with them in the Garden of Eden. If you will call upon God, He will be as evident to you as He was to Moses when God manifest Himself to Moses in the burning bush. God will be a real God to you. Because He is a real God. God is alive. And salvation starts with a living God who loves the world. Some have asked, where did God come from? <laughs> well, He didn't come from nowhere. And uh, you, we need to realize the primary purpose of God in creation was to create moral beings spiritually and intellect, intellect, well, I can't even say the word intellectual, intellectually capable of worshiping Him. That's why God created man. He created us to worship Him intellectually and spiritually. And when we understand that, we understand our purpose, don't we? We don't have to ask all of these absurd questions. But when heaven and earth were yet unmade, when there was empty blackness and void formlessness, and darkness was on the face of the deep, when time was yet unknown, and the Lord in His blessing and in His majesty was, when He lived and loved in triune harmony, God called light out of darkness. He called cosmos out of chaos. He called order out of confusion. And yet the question still clamors in the, in, in the, in the mouths of atheists uh, to answer, where did God come from? Well, the answer is He came from nowhere. I uh, heard about a story where a man talked with a preacher one time after he had made a very similar statement in one of his messages he said, preacher, let's be reasonable about this thing. You don't really believe that God came from nowhere, do you? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Let's be reasonable about this thing. And that preacher responded, alright, since you just want to be reasonable about it, the reason God came from nowhere is there wasn't anywhere for Him to come from. And coming from nowhere, He stood on nothing and the reason he stood on nothing is there was nowhere for him to stand. And standing on nothing, he reached out to nowhere and caught something when there was nothing to catch and he hung something on nothing and told it to stay there. Now that's the God that we serve tonight. 
He didn't have material at his disposal, but he spoke every bit of it into creation. And he did it out of nowhere. Now you'll find that if you read in Job chapter 7. That's exactly what the Word of God teaches us. That God hung this world on nothing and standing on nothing, He took the hammer of His own will and he, 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 he struck it against the anvil of His omnipotence and the sparks flew. And He caught the sparks and He flew them into the universe and that's the stars. And He told them to stay where they're at. He created it all from nothing, beloved. This is the God that we serve. And now those stars adorn heaven even tonight. You can go out on a clear night and you can look up and you can see God's handiwork. There resounding to His glory that He always has been and He always will be. God created it. And the reason nobody said nothing about it because there wasn't nobody. So God had to say that's good. The reason nobody could tell God He did a good job because He hadn't created them yet. And so God said He did a good job. And that same God that did a good job in creation is the same God that did a good job in redemption. The same God that put this thing all together is the same God that put our salvation together. The same God from the beginning who has all power to create is the same God from the beginning who loves this world and has all power that's mighty to save. Everything God made was good. And let me say this, everything God remakes will be good. <laughs> you give Him your life and let Him remake you and you'll be a lot better than the way you started. Everyone God made, He loves. <laughs> and He will eternally love everyone that He remakes or that is born again. Don't you think for one moment God just loves you? God loves me too. You don't have a corner. You don't have a monopoly on the love of God. And neither do I. Say why? For God so loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the, that's the nouns of this text. The God of creation in this world. A world that was lost in darkness, lost in sin, plunged under the curse, alienated from God, enemies by, by our wicked works. We were running the opposite direction, yet the God that created this whole thing and could have just snuffed it all out and let us go on to our destined place in a lake of fire somewhere, stepped in, intervened, came down to where we were. Hallelujah for the verbs of this text. He loved us enough that He gave His only begotten Son, that He sent Him from the portals of glory, that He sent Him down here to die in our place to be buried and rise again and he's coming again one day to collect us praise God for the verbs of this text these two great words let me just say this quickly and I'm about to be done these two words work together invariably and inevitably you don't really have one without the other you might enjoy hearing all that sweet talk about how much that guy loves you, young ladies. But if he's not willing to give, he doesn't really love. You hear me? Talk is cheap. Love without action is not love. Love without giving is not love. They are interdependent upon one another. 
God would not love us had He not given us His Son, but the fact and evidence that He gave us His Son tells us with a resounding absolute that He loves us. I can say God loves sinners and God so loved the world because He gave His only begotten Son. I can say it with confidence. I don't have to be sheepish about it. I don't have to withdraw with that statement. And I know I don't have to because Jesus came into this world. Say, how do you know? Because He lives in my heart. He lives in my soul. He's transformed my life. I know what He's done for me. And because He did it for me, I know. That He loves me. And He loves you too. And so you can't have love without giving. Because you don't really love without action. And you don't have real giving without love. Somebody might give you a gift. And they only did it so they could go around and boast and brag about the fact that they gave you something. And once you sense the insincerity of that gift, you just soon give it back to them. You don't want that gift when it's given like that. You don't want a gift when it's given with a false pretense and an ill-motivated uh, desire to get recognition unto themselves. The world can tell the difference in that too. Let me just say that. Some of these preachers, they want to get on Facebook and they want to brag about all that they're doing for God and do all of these videos. And you know, the only time they talk about God is when they're talking about what they're doing for God. They can't get on and just brag about God and how good He is and leave themselves out of it. They've got to interject themselves into the equation so that they can get some of the attention too. Well, let me just say, that giving is without love. That, that's, just, that's all about them, not about God. And so giving without love isn't really giving. Love without giving isn't really love. I just say there's no real giving without love, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now that's the good news. Ain't that good news tonight? In a world that's fallen and in society that's in decay and when people are popping pills to try to find escape and when people are, are snorting things and, 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 and smoking things to try to uh, 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 ease their mind and numb their mind and when they're drinking things to try to, to, to give them uh, uh, some kind of uh, release from reality and when they're going around and they're doing all manner of immorality with their flesh and with their body uh, out of lust and out of, out of uh, wickedness. Beloved, we're living in a day where we need some good news. But with the good news comes the bad news, doesn't it? And just as this verse starts, for God so loved the world, there's another verse in Romans that tells us, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. For the wages of sin is death. And a sinner needs to see that one day they're going to be held accountable for their sin. They're going to be called before God Almighty to stand and give an account of their life. One day, listen to me, one day, if you're not saved tonight, one day you're going to stand before God. He's going to judge you with eyes of fire that pierce through your soul. Nothing will be hid from Him in that day. That's the bad news. You're going to be judged one day. Every sin you've ever committed will be called to bear witness against your condition. 
position and pronounce you guilty before the throne of Almighty God. There's coming a day when you're going to be pronounced, sentenced, guilty, and put into the lake of fire where you're going to burn forever and forever. You're going to suffer the judgment and wrath of Almighty God. That is the bad news tonight. But the good news is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to stand on that day of judgment guilty without any defense, knowing what your destiny is, knowing where you're headed, but you can stand in Christ. You can stand complete in Him. You can stand robed in His righteousness. You can trust Jesus Christ, the Son of God that was given on the behalf of sinners. You can believe upon Him. You can be saved so that you will not perish, but that you can have everlasting life. You can enter into the presence of God and the holy angels and the saints that have gone on before. And you can enjoy the blessedness and the bliss of the, of the very presence of God and the peace that that brings throughout all of eternity if you just believe upon Jesus Christ. See, the bad news is is the wages of sin is death. But the good news is is that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the world's greatest love story. God sent His only begotten Son into this world to die for sinners. Men and women that hated Him and wanted nothing to do with Him, but He did it because He loved them so much. And tonight, if you could but get a glimpse of the love of God that's always been from the, from the very beginning of the world, from the, before the foundation of this world, God loves sinners and His Son was already set in motion to come and die for sinners. You're not an afterthought with God tonight. But you're at the very center of His focus. You're the very forefront of His mind. Everything that's happening, everything that's transpiring in this world tonight, God is allowing it to take place because He loved the world and He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's bow our heads tonight. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you believed upon God's Son? Well, if you hadn't, I would plead with you tonight, come to Jesus. Just as they looked to that brazen serpent, by looking they believed. Tonight, you'll just look to Jesus. Looking in your looking, you'll believe. God will save you. If God's convicted you tonight and you're lost, wouldn't you look unto Him? Look unto Him. Be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. Oh, there's a God in heaven that loves you so much tonight. He's pleading with you. Look, look, look at me. Trust me. Come to me. Believe upon me. He's saying, I'll save you. Oh, I don't know that we fully comprehend the love of God. I don't know that we ever will. I think we'll be learning more about His love throughout eternity. But I'm just simply saying, if you could just get a glimpse of how much He loves you. You would run from your sin. You would repent of your sin and you would trust Jesus as your Savior. I invite you to come if God's dealt with your heart, if you're lost tonight. And if you're saved, I hope that just the simple preaching of the Gospel has edified your soul tonight. I pray that it has lifted your spirits. I pray that it has encouraged you. 
It's reminded you and that you can leave this place refreshed in your soul because of what God's done for you. Father, we bow in your presence tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. I pray, Lord, for sinners that may be here. Would you deal with their hearts? Lord, would you save them? Would you convict them? Show them their need. Bring them to repentance. Oh, Lord, I pray they trust you tonight. Tis so sweet to trust in you, Lord. Oh, I pray they'd find that sweetness, that sweetness that comes by faith in you. Lord, I pray for those of us that are saved. May we be reminded of, Oh, God, may we be reminded to what extent you went to to salvage us, to redeem us, to save us. May we never forget it. May we never take it for granted. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for reaching down into Crossroads Baptist Church on a Tuesday night and plucking me out of the fire. Lord, as a brand plucked out of the fire, God, you rescued me. And you saved my soul, and thereby you saved my life. And I bless you, and I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray, God, you'd do it again. Do it tonight. And Lord, those of us that it's been done for, be reminded of it. Made to rejoice. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the word you've given us this evening. May you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I appreciate you being here tonight. I trust God's Word will be a help to you. If you have any question or need any counsel, please let me know. Let's all stand to our feet, and we'll be dismissing Word of Prayer again. If you're going on the